Yes, he does know our name. This morning, we started talking about perilous times and looking at the verse that Paul wrote, Timothy, where we know that it means dangerous or stressful. And in fact, we are living in what we would say are perilous times. We are living in stressful times in this hour. And I focused really on what Jesus said uh, in Matthew the 24th chapter as times of things that you have to be careful of that will happen in this last hour that we will potentially be overwhelmed with. And one, of course, the first one was he's talked about deception and how prevalent it was. And we know, we talked about that this morning, deception. Uh, people are can be easily deceived. And, and someone one time said, there's a sucker born every moment, every minute. And, uh, you know, you know, I understand at some point in time, you know, you can fool most of the people, but you can't fool all the people. And yet none of us are immune to that sense of deception unless we have a basis for truth. And it reminded me of one of the tours that we took many, many years ago in the FBI building in downtown Washington, D.C. And we went into the counterfeit area and we were standing behind glass and looking at these agents that were working with counterfeit bills, what I thought were counterfeit bills. They were testing them and burning them and tearing them and doing all kinds of things there to those bills, what I thought were counterfeit because a big sign as you walked in the wing said counterfeit area and the guide said, now I wonder if anybody could guess how many counterfeit bills uh, there are in this room behind us here where these agents are working and doing all these wonderful experiments and putting dye and water and stuff and you know a hundred, a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand different counterfeit bills because there were stacks of money everywhere new and old and what a and the guide I'll never forget said actually there are no counterfeits behind here we don't allow counterfeit behind here because we want these agents to be so familiar with the real that anytime they're out in the field and they feel something different or they smell something different or they taste it or if they put this solvent on it and it reacts different they go that's not the real thing wow I was blown away. That was in the FBI building at that time. I don't know if they still have that and I don't know if there's another area where they show them counterfeits. But at this point, that was behind that was there was no counterfeit allowed. And that's exactly what you have to have if you're going to fight that spirit or that sense of deception. And that is a good understanding of the Word of God and a willingness to submit yourself to that Word 
word of God. A willingness to say, you know what? Heaven and earth will pass away, but this is truth. I know what the Bible says about these questions. I know what the word of God says. And I don't care how logical it may seem. And I don't care what anybody else says. And I don't care what anybody else does. But you know what? The word of God says it this way. And if you don't have a place of absolute truth, you will be easily deceived because somebody's always got a good argument. Somebody's always got a good reason why it should be something different. You know, if you eat this fruit, you'll never die. You'll be just like God. If it could fool Adam and Eve in the very beginning that they would doubt the word of God, how do I think I can be immune to that? And yet here we have the word. And then of course the next one was a sense of fear and anxiety. And here we see that that there was this sense of uh, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars and we are facing that uh, in fact uh, brother Matthew White told me before service that someone put on Facebook uh, that their son had died of COVID uh, that he saw this ad and, and the person went on to say not of COVID like you know and not of a respiratory thing but they became so anxious of the social distancing that they ended up taking their own life. Why? Because they were so fearful and so anxious and so stressed. And I want to tell you something. The enemy would love to use all this time and all these things that are on our, uh, what are happening to society to overwhelm all of us because he knows that a fearful, anxiety prone child of God is not a strong, courageous child of God that is storming the gates of hell and so if he can somehow stop our power and our authority that's why Simon I mean rather Apostle Paul said to Timothy stir up the gift of God stay full of the Holy Ghost because if you somehow stir up the gift of God and whenever you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious that'll give you the power and the strength to realize that you know what my grace is sufficient for thee. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know when it's going to end. But I know who the Alpha and the Omega is. I know who's got all of this in his hand. I know what the ending will be. Read the back of the book. Then of course he talked about persecution. Some will be afflicted and they'll be killed and they'll be hated. And Most of us, thank the Lord, have not had to face physical persecution. I know mental persecution and the mental torment and the anguish and the attacks of the enemy and I could spend a lot of time talking about the accuser of our brethren and, and how that he does what he can to somehow just beat us up and if you you know if you didn't pray enough or if you well you didn't do this and well you acted bad yeah you're you know here you are you're supposed to be doing better and now you know just a few days away from from everything and now you're overwhelmed oh he's able to just keep bombarding us and persecuting and beating us up and telling us that you know you're not going to make it and, and you know that you're, you're what are you and oh you, you know who are you and yet what you have to do in those moments that you find yourself being overwhelmed and you find yourself being attacked 
by the accusers. You've got to keep your focus on Jesus. You know what? I don't know why the Lord chose me, but I thank you he did. Oh, I don't know why he would ask me. You know what? I'm so glad he did. I want you to know my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. It's because of him that I feel what I... I don't know. I can't understand it. I wouldn't have chosen me, but I'm going to keep my eyes on him. One day he went to Calvary. How could I not praise him? How could I not love him? How could I not worship him? How can I not read his word? How can I not talk to him? How can I not raise my hands and thank him? Why? Because he's the author and finisher of my faith. He's the one that I'm looking for. And that's what Hebrews says when it says that we consider him. And you know what? I, I know, Lord, you, you went through. I, I mean, we don't even talk about the, the stuff that Jesus went through. And you say, well, you know, and, and I've even had people tell me, well, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, I'm not reaching my potential. And I just feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm being persecuted here. And I've had people tell, oh, if I just, if somebody would just, you know, if I had this and if I, and I think, can you imagine? Imagine the God of all creation at 12 or 13 whenever he knows where he should be and he says I'm going to go back to my father's house and, and my mom and my stepfather are, are, are going down the road and, and have you know they're going back home and I go in and I start talking to all the scholars and the, and the people of the, that study the Torah and I'm starting to explain that and they're blown, their mind is blown and here I am 12 years old and when you read very carefully that whenever they came back and they kind of scolded him and why why did you leave and we didn't know and we went down the road and we th thought you were lost and he said didn't you know I had to be about my father's business and then the Bible clearly states in the word that he went home and submitted to them from that day from age 12 until 30 when he went down to get baptized <laughs> by John for 18 years or more he's taking up a hammer and pounding a piece of wood the God of all creation the guy that flung the stars and moons into existence. The guy that said let there be light and there was light. The guy that could in a moment just said you know call 10,000 and he's here, Dad. Now, son, don't you know you've got to do that? You got to split this wood this way. You got to do this this way. Oh, what are you doing? I'm submitting my life. Why? Because my focus is that I have a job to do. I have a I have direction, and and so in the midst, you talk about feeling persecuted. I before he ever hit thirty, I'm sure you can't imagine feeling like you were being in a box. You were oh, you know, no one. Where when's my time going to come? When am I? And yet here he is, and and that's why he says we in this hour keep our focus on him. Number four is there in Matthew the 24th chapter and this is where we stopped this morning and that is Matthew 24 and verse 10 where it says and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Wow. 
Paul wrote about it in Ephesians when he said, Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. One of the tricks of the enemy in this hour is to make us so sensitive and easily offended. And I, we're, I'm, we're blessed. I, I don't know of anybody here that's offended, especially nobody that's here in this building, for sure. Maybe some of you out there are offended and you've already turned me off. And please, you know, forgive us. If you go back on and listen, I'm going to ask you kindly, please forgive us. We're doing our best. But, you know, we are living in an hour of violence and hatred and rage and anger and wrath and cursing. There's no blessing that comes out of anybody's mouth. There's no prayer There's for them or yourself or no forgiveness or no thankfulness or no kindness. And, and you know, it's Washington, D.C. is not any better. You don't see any kindness and, and you know, concern. And wherever you look there is no sense of let's you know we're going to rally together you would have thought that COVID would have made the Democrats and the Republicans love one another and be kind to one another but I want to tell you it's not going to happen there is none of that there's easily offended and you know you've upset me and you've offended me and I, I realize that that's the hour in which we have perilous times why because if the conflict comes then it breaks the unity and it can happen in a home Maybe not in your home where you are, but you know, just being together for 24-7 for a few weeks and before long, you know, would you at least pick up your clothes? I mean, you know, do you know how much I, and a little conflict breaks out and all of a sudden the room has a chill that wave, you know, waves over the room. Not, not in our homes, I know all of our homes are conflict free and I get it, I, I understand that, but it, just being together and all of a sudden I'm rubbing shoulders and, and I, the more I rub, the more, uh, could you move over just a little bit and then I'm getting a little sensitive here and that's the hour in which we're living where you know the it, house gets smaller and smaller and you think why didn't I build that extra room on the back I I don't know maybe I should have had it and I'm you know and yet we know what the Bible says about what how to defeat this and somehow whenever there is no unity and whenever there is no uh, you know is to all of a sudden let the forgiveness of the Lord begin to flow and the unity begin that's why Jesus would say whenever the disciples said Lord teach us to pray one of the lines that he would put in the prayer was forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us oh the story of the parable of the man that owed the sum of 10,000 talents and I know we've done the math I've preached on the story before 10,000 talents you know one talent equals 20 years wages for a, a laborer and so I don't know what a laborer makes if he makes $10 an hour if he makes $11 if he makes $15 an hour but you can do the math you can figure it up it whatever it's 20 years of one talent equals 20 years worth of work for a laborer for a common laborer and so this man owed a debt of 10,000 talents so I did the math at 11 11 times 40 hours in a week times 52 weeks in a year times 20 years would have been one talent so then you got to times it times 10,000 and the little number that you get whenever I did it was four billion five hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. 
$4 billion. Can you imagine owing somebody $4 billion? It's just staggering. It's almost as much as what the country went in debt to save us, maybe. I don't know. It might have been $4 trillion. I don't know. It may have been more than that. But the point of it is, it's staggering that one person would owe $4 billion. If it was $15 an hour, it would be even more. And then you remember the rest of the story. It's found in Matthew, the 18th chapter. You can read it. All of a sudden, there's some guy that owes him a hundred denarii. The Bible is very clear about the money. And he says, a denarii, a denarius was a a day's wage for a laborer. So if you still figured that that, uh, that that man that made $11 an hour one day for one denarius would be $88 would be the and then he owed a hundred of those which would be $8,800 I mean still more than I would want to go in debt but somebody owes $8,000 and I just got forgiven $4 billion. And I have the audacity to grab him by the throat and throw him in jail. And the Lord told that parable because he was saying, you owe me so much and you can't forgive what somebody did to you? Well, they offended me. They hurt me. They made me mad. They, have, they crossed the line. You owed four billion, four and a half billion? And they crossed the line? Oh, that's how you get a root of bitterness and you get a gall of bitterness and you all of a sudden this can spring up inside of you where you feel like, you know, and, and what that does is it stops the forgiveness from flowing through you. It stops the mercy of God. And that's why David would say in Psalms 133, just three short verses in that song, how oh, good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment that runs down the, on the head, down the beard, even on Aaron's beard to the skirts. It's like the dew of Hermon. It's the dew that descends on the mountains. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Why all of a sudden that phrase in the end of that chapter, why did he say that's where God wants to bless you? Because you know what? When there's unity and when there's harmony and when there's forgiveness, that's the the foundation for a blessing in your life. If you feel like I don't have any, I haven't been blessed I don't know, my life's not been full of blessing. It's because probably there's been a lack of a foundation of the dew or the anointing that God can lay a blessing on. <laughs> so, I want a blessing? I gotta learn how to forgive. Well, they didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't beg for forgiveness. If they would ask me, I might. Oh, aren't you so kind? Aren't you so magnanimous? You say, but you don't know what I know. I know. But I want to tell you something. The lack of forgiveness is a thing that can trip you up in this hour. It can make you hard-hearted. I've seen people walk away from God, walk away from marriages, walk away from families, walk away because I am so angry at what you did. I can't get over it and that doesn't matter. I keep shooting myself in the foot and wondering why my foot's hurting. Because I won't let forgiveness flow. And consequently, it stops every blessing that I could have, all the anointing. The 
Next one, and I know we're, we're hurrying. I appreciate you watching and being online. But was false ministry, believe it or not. False preachers. So he preached about preachers, so I got to talk about preachers. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. We talk about the deception. We read that verse earlier because about the deception because in fact it doesn't matter if you preacher or not because you say you're a preacher doesn't mean that you can't be wrong that's why you need to have the Bible where you can focus on the Word of God Jesus was about the first time he talked about this Matthew the seventh chapter he said beware false prophets which come in sheep's clothing inwardly they are ravening wolves but you'll know them by your fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but many, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Paul warned the early church about those kinds of ministries and it's about me having a duplicit life and having one life and not having, not having the fruit to bear it, not having kindness and love and joy and peace. And I, I cringe when I read it because sometimes I probably don't have as much love as I need and have as much gentleness as I need. And I think maybe we've all been there, but you know, oh God, help prune me and help me. Paul told him in Philippians, he says, not as though I had already attained or were perfect, but I follow after, I'm doing my best, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I want to get more of God. Brethren, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth unto those that are before and I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. He just said he wasn't perfect, but he said, what are you doing? I have to keep in mind, I want to be perfect. You say, well, I know I'm not perfect. I'll just sin, it won't matter. Oh, it does matter. I'll live any way I want. No, it, why? We'll talk about that in a moment. But he said here, as many as are be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be in you otherwise minded, may God reveal it to you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. In other words, I don't have one rule for me and a rule for somebody else and a rule. Oh God, I want to have it all consistent. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Well, they're good people. They love God. I know, they're not perfect. Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. I don't want anybody to just say, well, pastor, 
It doesn't matter what you do and how you act and what, no. Paul was very, very, very candid when he said, I don't care if we, if me, if we, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than has already been preached, let him be accursed. What are you saying? How do I deal with this as producing fruit and remembering the word of God? And that's why I read in Genesis or I mentioned earlier when the devil started off by this by saying you'll not die. You can avoid the word of God. God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be successful. God wants me to be calm. God wants me to remember we're all struggling. It's not my fault. I'm struggling. I just have a few struggles. I'm sorry, but that's not that's contrary to the word of God. The word of God says you can be more than a conqueror. I realize we, I have had struggles. You can have struggles, but don't ever stop trying to get victory. You say, well, I've got a struggle. I, you know, my whole family, they had an addiction and I've got a little addiction here. And I'm not going to deal with it. That's contrary to the word. The Lord wants you greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't have to live according to how your family and all your traditions were. You say, well, uh, you don't understand. I'm just struggling. You need to understand, and I do, and we're living in an hour that we understand the causes and we understand the whys and the circumstances and we understand, and I'm, I, I, was, I was schooled in the field of psychology and we try to figure out what's going on and what caused this and which came first, the chicken or the egg, and I get it, and that's our society, but be careful because it can deceive you in this hour and make you think that God can't give you total victory and that is the biggest lie that the enemy would ever perpetrate against the child of God oh I can't help it you gotta understand I, you don't know I was struck and I've had people tell me well you don't know what they've been through and I do I empathize I, my, I, I feel for them and I feel for what people have been through but I also want you to know one day Jesus died on Calvary and he got up on the third day and that resurrection power you can have tonight you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost the same spirit that got Jesus up out of the grave you can have that experience don't tell me that our God is not able to break every chain to break every habit to break all your past I'm sorry you've come too late I've seen God break cycles God is still greater than anything hallelujah you say oh well uh, why in fact the Bible says we're supposed to hate sin Proverbs 8th chapter says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride arrogance evil way forward mouth do I hate don't live with your sin and accept it hate it <laughs> say I want deliverance Call for prayer. Keep believing. When the church doors are open, come to the front every time. What are you doing? Why are you here? Because I hate what the devil's tried to build a, a stronghold in my mind. I hate what I've been... 
well, everybody's got a few problems, everybody struggles, it's okay. At least I'm not, well, you know, I didn't kill anybody last week. That's good, I got mad, I cussed a few people. You know, I did that, but I, well, at least I, oh, God, help us in this hour. I'm going to just tell you, not only false ministers, and all of us are supposed to be ministers, and that's what, when we look around, and we've all seen folks, and we go, oh, and they call themselves apostolic or Christians or whatever and yet here they are they, they, they profess themselves to have the power of the Holy Ghost you know you see sin is addicting that's one of the dangers of it it's like an addict it's like taking drugs it's like whatever habit you want to have tobacco or whatever habit you have you say well I'm, I'm, I'm against heroin, but I'm okay with drinking and tobacco. Hello? <laughs> it's an addict. <laughs> That's what Paul wrote in Romans, the 6th chapter, the 14th verse. He said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? And you know what he told him? No! God forbid! doesn't give you a license to sin just because you're under grace know ye not and this is what he was trying to tell them know ye not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey in other words when you allow sin to stay in your life you become a slave to it you become the servant to that sin you say oh pastor you're getting a little bit I know it's Sunday night and thank the Lord we you know, it's okay, it's just us, and, and nobody's even here to hear me. So you online, if you drop off, I'll never know the difference. I'm just preaching, maybe just to myself. But he says, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye were the servants, ye were, were past tense, the servants of sin but you have obeyed from the heart that form of the doctrine that was delivered unto you being then made free from sin you became servants of righteousness. What are you saying? I'm telling you that the Lord wants to produce the fruit of the Holy Ghost in you. He wants the word to cleanse you. He wants to wash you with the word and you can just say oh well I've got a little bit of an issue here or you can say Lord cleanse me again wash me again I don't want to be a servant to this thing I'm tired of living my life serving something else and I'm here to tell you the Lord is able the last thing this is number six this is it it's over just got a couple more slides Matthew the 24th chapter the 12th through the 14th verses he says and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold but he that endures unto the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. We have been preaching the gospel now for the last six months. And the entire world logging on to services. We've had hits on our own website. And and that's just one little church in Newark. People have been reaching for something around the world. If you ever want to know that the gospel's being done around the world now, it's happening right now. 
What are you saying? It's so easy to get weary in well-doing. It's so easy to get exhausted. So easy to get wrung out, overwhelmed. You're just barely hanging in there. And so how do you handle that? Because iniquity shall amount the love of many. The love. You remember that's what he told the church at Ephesus. I know you work. I know you'd work. I know you labor. I know you work. I know you do a lot. But you've got one thing that I'm against you. You've lost your first love. What are you saying? The perilous times that we're living in is dangerous to not lose my passion for God. Remember just how excited I was to come to church and how excited I was to read the Bible and how excited I was to study the Word and how excited I was and I couldn't wait to be there. And I, I, easy to lose that. And that's what Jesus told the church at Ephesus. And how, what was the cure for loss of passion? And that is, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in His salvation. It's all of a sudden just to turn your head back and just... Lord I love you I worship you oh I feel a little bit stupid doing that oh let all of those that seek thee what did he say rejoice and be glad in thee oh I'm seeking the Lord I need the Lord to help me oh pastor I need the Lord then let me tell you what you need to do is rejoice and be glad in thee and let love thy salvation continually say you know what if you really love the fact that one day the Lord saved you then you need to start saying the Lord be magnified the Lord be magnified the Lord be magnified oh magnify the Lord with me let us exalt his name what are you doing I'm blowing back that lack of passion I don't want to come into this hour and not be like the church of Ephesus that's lost her first love I want to feel the passion I want to explode I want to rejoice why Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decked out, adorned herself with jewels. Last slide, and I'm through. Oh, you've been great. I'm sorry. I've been pastoring here, and I just want you to know I, if you're not a part of this church you know I, I'm not trying to beat up anybody but Habakkuk said it like this although the fig tree shall not blossom and there's no food in the, in the vines and the olives don't they fail and the fields have no meat and the flocks don't and although my body is racked with pain and although this has gone wrong and although I don't have the answer and although yet <laughs> will I rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation that's why Paul would tell, tell the church the Philippian church a church letter that he wrote from a jail cell rejoice in the Lord and again I say rejoice because if I'm going out of here I'm going out with passion. <laughs> if I don't make it till next week, I want the devil to know I was in love with Jesus with everything. I may not be able to run the aisles, but I'm going to tell you, he's going to know every fiber within me said, I love
love you, Jesus. <laughs> I praise you, Jesus. Let's just do that right now. Oh, why don't you just praise him right now? Let your praises begin to flow from your innermost being.